Hail you nostalgic love interests. Welcome to 9021 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise from Fox to the CW. One of us is a 9021 expert and the other is a 9021 novice. I'm Kendra Mickles, and I'm seeing these episodes for the first time. I'm Nick Gunning, and I've seen them all. Our show is brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. Other shows on the network include This and Dorian Life, previously on X-Men, and 90s Music Got Me Like. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Facebook or Twitter at Here We Go Pod. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're looking back at Beverly Hills 90210 Season 6 in all of its splendor. <laughs> All of its greatness. That's all right. Of its great arcs. Yep. All of it. All right. Well, let's crack open the Condor. Condor is committed to professional standards, professional ethics. The weak need not apply. These 32 episodes originally aired from September 13th, 1995 through May 22nd, 1996. Woo. All right. So now we're going to go through summer stuff. Is that yeah, what we're looking do at it. today? Let's right. do it. So In between. The, the summer of 96. Six. Okay, yep. summer of 96. June 24th, Mark Damon Espinoza turned 36. Oh, Jesse. June 25th. He's doing well, I yeah. hear. He's yeah, doing really well. Love their relationship career. is healed. They're happy now, so that's great. June 25th, Lala Anthony, who plays Shay in BH90210, turned 13. Mel Gildon the 90210 novelizer and our guest on the show turned 49 on July 3rd. That's right. July 8th, Kathleen Robertson turned 23. And July 15th, Brian Austin Green turned 23 and Tristan Mac Wilds, who plays Dixon in the CW years, turned seven. It's a lot of summer birthdays. There's Yeah, there's a lot. I don't remember if I told this on the podcast or not, but Mel Gildan and I are Facebook friends because I interviewed him a few different times, once for 90210 and once for the All the Book show when we were talking about his different like Star Trek and things. On my 40th birthday, Mel Gildan wrote on my wall and he was like, hey, remember when we talked about Star Trek and 90210? <laughs> Happy birthday. That's amazing. <laughs> so I guess now we're returning the favor to Mel. Did uh, Joyce Carol Oates reach out to you on your birthday? No, she did You guys are good friends. She's so busy. She's so busy. Yeah, I bought her tuna sandwich once, Kendra. I know. <laughs> I, I remember. Can I, listen, can I just say, I'm a little disappointed, like all the time that I spent with Joyce Carol Oates. She famously uses names, like names and places in her books. And I was like, come on, you, you got to have a, a Nick or a Gunning or something in an upcoming book. It never happened. So. Still time. There's You're still right. time. That's She's true. still writing stuff. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Movies, June 14th, The Cable Guy, starring Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick premiered. I didn't get this at the time, and I've never rewatched it. I, it's like, it's almost a horror movie. Like, have you seen this movie? I've only seen the beginning, and I turned it off for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so I've only seen the beginning. But yeah, it's borderline creep i mean it is creepy. it is creepy it is creepy i i really feel like it, this would play better today like on some streaming service and like really play with these themes but at the time everybody was like well this isn't ace ventura at all you know so it's weird on june 21st eraser with arnold schwarzenegger premiered no, haven't seen haven't it seen, haven't seen that one though i feel like i've been watching a lot of schwarzenegger lately so oh, i don't know get maybe to the chopper will, maybe this will come up soon 
and The Hunchback of Notre Dame with mm. Demi Moore. Never cared about that movie. This is a sticking point between my husband, Eric, and I because oh. he loves this movie. Really? And I mean, to his credit, I mean, the music is amazing. The animation is great. It's all great. I just don't enjoy watching it. I Same. find it very stressful and very sad. Yeah. And so he's like, let's watch Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I'm like, nah, I'll be in the other room. Like, you yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. So it's kind of a sticking point between us. That's pretty much the same in my marriage. Hillary is Hillary really likes this movie. And I'm just like, eh. It's so sad. It is sad. Yeah. I never watched the sequel, the animated sequel with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Maybe that makes, maybe that's happy. <laughs> maybe. June 28th, The Nutty Professor. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Right? Yep, yep. I've never seen it. You've never seen The Nutty Professor? Oh. <laughs> no. This was good times. This was good times. So quotable. Buddy Love. Well, I know the Hercules part yeah. from the trailer. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I quoted that a lot. Yep. And July 3rd, Independence Day, starring Bill Pullman and Will Smith. Welcome to Earth. Punch. <laughs> that's a good movie. I feel yeah. like that's a movie that I've never seen it straight through, but I have seen all of it at different times. Oh, no, this <laughs> you was know good. what I mean? Yeah, I definitely saw this in theaters and I had it on um I had it on VHS and it had a cool lenticular cover. You know, one of those ones where like if you tilted the cover, it was like the White House blowing up, you know? Oh. Pretty cool. I what feel was like that, what was that word you just used? I've never heard that word before. Lenticular. It's like when um, you know, when there's like little channels on something and you turn it and it changes the picture. Uh, you know? I had, I didn't know there was a name for that. That's the name. But now yeah, this was, uh, I mean, this was such big business. That shot of them blowing up the White House is so iconic now, but it was such a big deal then. You know what I mean? Like that image and how realistic it looked was like, this was a major talking point. Now it's like, whatever. You could do that <laughs> on the CW, yeah. you know? You don't need Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman is from your, your area where That's you true. live. He's a local. He's from celebrity. Hornell, New York, which is nearby, and he rolls through town every once in a while. I went to like a talk that he gave, but I've never just like bumped into him on the street. Mm. Well, there's still time. <laughs> there is still time. I have never seen the sequel, the Independence Day, whatever it's called, Resurgence there's a or whatever. Sequel? There is, yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. All right. TV, June 9th, Sequest DSV ended. Yeah, this I feel like is no excuse for me to have never seen Sequest, but I haven't. I don't know what it is. Is it live action? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like a you know it was like a sci fi series set. I don't I don't I don't even know. Like it was a it was a water based thing, and it was it was Roy Scheider from Jaws and uh, Jonathan Brandis, who was like hot at this time. Hmm. Yeah, cool. It always said people always like I know people who I work with somebody who's like oh I love Sequest so much. Never seen it. Is that different from C-Lab 2021? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. C-Lab 2021 is a spoof of the cartoon C-Lab 2020. Sequest is a serious, hard-hitting, oh, okay. undersea, I think, adventure. I don't know. <laughs> June 19th, the sitcom Hudson Street, starring Tony Danza and future 90210-er Lori Laughlin, ended its run. That's right. I loved that show. It didn't last long, but I loved it. July 14th, Muppet Tonight also ended its run. Yeah, short-lived. So much so much is ending. And well, here's a here's a beginning. July okay. 15th, Keenan and Kel began its 65 episode run. I do, I do, I do, I do who. 
<laughs> did you My see my love of orange soda? Did you see the SNL episode with Kiki Palmer where they I did, did. the Keenan and Kel thing? That was really uh, funny. Here it goes. What did she say? Oh, I'm she well, said I, I something about driving the bus. I don't yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> the whole thing was so funny. I loved it. Yep. <laughs> I I was I was a big fan of Keenan and Kel. I mean, I loved all that. I watched like every yes. episode of all that, and I sort of I viewed Keenan and Kel as kind of a spinoff, you know. And I, that era of Nickelodeon, I have a lot of like from Hey Dude and Clarissa explains it all, like up through Keenan and Kel and all that. I I really loved. Salute your shorts. Oh, yeah. Come on. See, I missed a lot of that, but I did love Keenan and Kel, and love I loved all that. Yeah, uh, and the Amanda the Amanda show, like that, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, that was the era where I. I yep. jumped on SpongeBob, you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, music. June 4th, Banana Wind by Jimmy Buffett debuted at number four on the charts. Why does that sound like a tropical fart to me? You know what I mean? Oh, Jimmy, another Banana Wind? Come on. <laughs> Destiny by Gloria Stefan came right. out also on June 4th. And lastly, on June 4th, Hot by the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Have you guys done Squirrel? You haven't done Squirrel Nut Zippers. I can tell by the way you pronounce that that you've never done that on. I've 90s never music. even heard of that band. All right. That's, All right. That's stupid. I hate it. June, <laughs> June 6th, Tiger Milk, the debut album of Scottish duo Bell and Sebastian came out. I do know a little about Bell and Sebastian. Over on my day job at the David A. Howe Public Library, we did a whole switcheroo episode where I had my co-host listen to music I like, which was a Sonny and Cher album. And she's big into Bell and Sebastian. So I listened to Bell and Sebastian for that. And? And it was it was good. I liked it. I liked it. I listened, It was a much later thing that I listened to, but it, it had a really, it had a good vibe. So I liked it. Cool. Yeah. You can check out the new podcast, But Have You Tried, from the David A. Howe Public Library where... Allie and I trade off random things with each other. That's such a good concept for a podcast. Thanks, Kendra. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. June 25th, Reasonable Doubt, the debut album of Jay-Z dropped. Oh, okay. It was certified platinum and hit number three on the hip-hop charts. That's pretty impressive. Like, Jay-Z's longevity is pretty impressive. To be, like, as mainstream as he remains all these years later is, is quite a feat. Yeah. Uh, I just watched the Grammys this past Sunday, oh, yeah. and they did a 50th anniversary of hip hop. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how they determine that it's the 50th anniversary, but yeah. Well, whatever it was, and so they did. Um, I would go if you can go to Paramount and watch it because they did this long medley where they just brought out artist after artist after artist to oh, just like, cool. sing parts of their songs it was crazy and it was really really good so i would recommend you I, it's probably on paramount plus you can go watch it or maybe youtube yeah but yeah that was great video games june 22nd quake is released mm. for dos okay i have played very little quake but the uh, star trek voyager elite force game that all of but all the people in my college dorm played was was made on the Quake engine. So, mm, okay, you know, sure. Thanks, Quake, for the good times. And June twenty third, Super Mario sixty four was released oh, along Kendra. with the Nintendo sixty four. I just hate it. I just hate this game. It's uh, it's not an easy game. That's I that's for sure. I recently this this is a thing that happens to me. I don't know why I put myself through it, but like. I swear every decade, I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to finish Mario Sunshine. I don't care how irritating the controls are. I don't care how difficult it is to keep that water pack constantly filled up and then have water-based fight with slime. I'm going to do it. And then I go to Bianco Hills. I play a level, and I'm like, I hate this. Never again. And then 10 years later, this recently happened to me with my GameCube. Eric and I recently played and beat Super Mario 64. Yeah. Um, I played it growing up. It was one of our favorite games to play, but we never, I don't think we ever beat it when we were kids. Yeah. It's just, it's hard. It's really, really hard to control him and keep him from going off the edge of anything. So there's a lot of videos we saved because we streamed a lot of it uh, of me just like screaming because... Yeah. <laughs> I'm like falling off of things. Yeah. Or like, I remember in that game, like you'd be going along and all of a sudden you accidentally go into a slide and you're like sliding down a, I hate it. I hate it. We didn't get all the stars, but we, but we beat the game enough that we were like, that, that's good. Yeah, that counts. I feel like we've talked about this maybe on this show before. I'm sure we have. It is just one of those things. I even got it like when they put re-release it, I think 3DS and was like, maybe, maybe this time, you know, but no. We're playing no. Super Mario Odyssey right now. That's been pretty fun so uh, far. With, a, with the hat? I don't yeah, like with that. the hat. I don't like the hat. I, I, I like really it. liked Galaxy. And I mean, maybe I'll give it another shot, but I the hat was just too much for me. I didn't like it. Yeah, we got the, it was a pack of like yeah. Odyssey, Sunshine, and Galaxy. So yeah. we started with Odyssey, but yeah. it's been fun so far. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not terrible. I was recently at a conference and I just had a bunch of time to kill. And I played through most of uh, Mario 2, like old school NES oh. Mario 2. Yeah, I love it. Well, I told my husband that one of my goals for the year, which it's a silly goal, but whatever, is to play through a side scroller by myself. Oh, okay. Um, so I forget which Mario game he said that I should play. Three. But we'll see. We'll see how far I get in that goal. <laughs> oh, he might have said a Super Nintendo. He might have given you a Super Nintendo. I bet that's what he suggested. I'm not sure. I'm sure he's yelling at his speakers right now. Yelling. No, at no. Us. He's super behind in this podcast. So if he's yelling, <laughs> if he's yelling at his speakers, it's six to seven months from now. So. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you slow turd. <laughs> All right, Nick, take us beyond the zip code. All right. Well, in 2023, Tori Spelling and Jenny Garth launched the BFF collection on QVC. Here is a rundown from QVC. BFFs Jenny and Tori are busy moms who strive to take the work out of home decorating so every woman can beautify her home in a way that's both stylish and functional. With the color palette inspired by Beverly Hills, think blush pinks, emerald greens, and gorgeous neutrals, the BFF collection puts a fresh spin on home decor and textiles with entertaining carts, <laughs> okay, entertaining carts, storage ottomans, etched glass canisters, and other decorative accents, plus pillows and throw blankets. Bring feminine California chic style to your favorite spaces with the BFF collection by Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling. Nick, I I looked it up as you were talking. I okay. don't hate the stuff I'm looking at right no, now. No, it's, it's honestly not bad. I mean, I do love the colors that they yeah. chose. That like blue, greenish blue. Yeah. Love that. Emerald, I mean, am green. I going to yeah. pay $89 for some candles? No. Probably not. But it's pretty stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. still there on QVC. You can go buy well, it go. apparently. Yeah, they did like, you know, some like video of it and everything. They was they like went legit. Uh, as legit I mean, this, as you can go bar, on QVC. This bar cart is really cute. Okay. So 
I feel like not a not a paid endorsement or anything. I don't want anybody <laughs> to think we're getting money from the BFF collection. I'm strictly reading no, what it says I wish. on QVC. Yeah, I, I mean, wish. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not rejecting that sweet QVC money. I'm just saying <laughs> we're not getting it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at our synopsis for this lovely, lovely season that we have just spent. How many? How how long did it take us to get through? Oh, good question. When uh, did we well, start? Yeah, I mean, thirty, probably thirty-two weeks, right? At so almost least. a year. And we, you know. and we had some extra stuff in there. We so did. yeah, most almost of the a year. year. Yep. Yep. All right, here we go. New temptations, shocking revelations. The friends of Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero are just getting warmed up. Join Brandon, Dylan, Kelly, Donna, David, Steve, Val, and Claire as they discover new love, battle addictions, and test the waters outside the college campus. But Almost fully. I don't think yeah. we saw the inside of a classroom. I don't think device. so. <laughs> um, in all the sizzling episodes of season six, witness Kelly's terrifying descent into drugs, Dylan's unlikely marriage proposal, and a porno that is filmed in Brandon's house. As their lives twist, turn, and bend in different directions, it's the bonds of friendship that will never break. That is from the season six DVD box set, everyone. And boy... I'm going to say some friendships do break. Some friendships do break, yeah. And I love that they highlighted that a porno was filmed in Brandon's house as if that wasn't the background of one episode. This is how we'll get them to watch. Yeah, yeah. Tell them there was a porno. <laughs> All right, Nick, who's living in Beverly Hills? Who lived in Beverly Hills this season? Okay. Well, we had a bunch of returning directors, including a couple of cast members. Jason Priestley directed four episodes of season six. Scott Pollan, who played Corey Randolph in earlier seasons, directed one. And then, of course, we had Anson Williams and James Darren and Bethany Rooney uh, in the mix and a lot of others. But those are sort of uh, the, the ones of note because of their, uh, their relationships to the cast. Composers Gary S. Scott and Martin Davich won a BMI TV Music Award for their work on the series for this season. So that happened for main cast members. Okay. So we had some shakeups in the main cast this time around. Joe Itata and Kathleen Robinson were upgraded to main cast. So they have been in there for a long time. Uh, Kathleen Robinson has had a also starring credit for a while, but now she's actually in front of like the, the gauzy sheet turning yeah. slowly. <laughs> <laughs> in the opening. That's right. She's there as is Joey Tata, which is new. Jamie Walters was was also added to the cast after recurring Crazy. Uh, for a couple seasons, but he leaves in episode 13 and then comes back again in episode 30. Luke Perry, you might have forgotten that Dylan was in this season, but he definitely was. I did. L Luke Perry leaves the cast in episode 10. So we have him for the first 10 episodes. His final episode uh, was the highest rated episode of the season according to wikipedia so take that with a grain of salt but that was uh believe it i believe it as well uh who else we have gabrielle carteris returning to uh for one guest spot after having left the previous season as did james eckhouse and carol potter james eckhouse was only in the video call for steve at the end along with carol potter cindy did a vocal cameo earlier in an email to valerie and she popped up in the Christmas episode. So a little bit more time with Cindy this time around. This was the season of the love interest. So we had a lot of uh, new love interests introduced from outside the gang. We have Nick Kiriazis as Prince Carl, who was a rival for Claire's affection. He was in five episodes. 
We have Rebecca Gayhart as Tony Marchette, who appeared in eight episodes. She, of course, was the nemesis, then pawn, then girlfriend, then wife, then death of, uh, of Dylan McKay. And corpse. Yeah, then, yeah. Yep. Julie Parrish was introduced as Joan Diamond, a love interest for Nat. We have not seen the last of her. Joan Diamond is the only love interest that we're going to see again after this season. Well, I hope it's not the last of her with where we left it. That's right. Cameron Bancroft as Joe Bradley appeared in 23 episodes uh, before going to Coach High School in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. You know, best of luck to him. Emma Caulfield Ford as Susan Keats appeared in 30 episodes. She maybe had the most character development of any character this season. Uh, we, we met her dead sister, her parents, and she had her own rival love interest introduced with Carl T. Evans as Jonathan Caston for five episodes. All for naught. All for naught. And yeah. finally, finally, the love interest with the most screen time, Jason Wiles as Colin Robbins, who, of course, started out as a romantic lead for Kelly and then switched to Valerie. Why not? Other major cast members recurring this year were Stanley Camel as Tony Marchette. He appeared in eight episodes and he has, a, I think, even a bigger recurring role on Melrose Place, too. So if we ever get to Melrose Place, we'll see him again. We had Cliff Wiseman as Bruno, Tony's uh, driver, butler, Guy. surrogate father. I don't know. <laughs> He was in seven episodes. Uh, I tried to forget her, but I couldn't forget Paige Moss as Tara Marks appeared in seven episodes. And then John Riley showed up as Bill Taylor. So this was the first true appearance of Bill Taylor, though an uncredited extra played Bill Taylor uh, in the graduation episode earlier. And we'll see John Riley back as this character in the future. All right. I think this is the worst season that we've seen so far. I, I think I have to agree. I just, you know, we've had lulls. We've had like storylines that didn't work. And we've had like periods of episodes where we we're both kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. But this season, you know, I, it I was mean, all over the place. It really was. It and really it was. really, it really got away from we're kids in college. Like yeah. they were dealing with crazy stuff yeah and i don't know i mean we know the behind the scenes kerfuffle of like you know the the big suits on high being like get jamie walters out of here so ditching ray probably threw off some of their long-term plans but that's not really enough to deal with the imbalance that this season had yeah mm -hmm. and like dylan for the 10 episodes he was here, was essentially operating in his own Dylan-centric spinoff. And I feel like he had been for a while, even he before had. this season. So <laughs> I feel like the thing that is the most glaring as far as like the faults of this season is like, what difference would there be other than like Dylan and Ray leaving if we just didn't watch this season and jumped right to season seven? Like, yeah, what's the that's, carryover? That's, you a know? Good, that's a good question. I mean... Do Steve and Claire get together in this season? Yeah, I think they do. I think they're I, the only enduring couple, yeah. right? Yeah, but if we were just dropped in and was like, yeah, the flirtation between Steve and Claire, now they're a couple, I, we wouldn't question it. You know what I mean? Oh, and I mean, we kind of ended with David and uh, Donna yeah. being, right. being a thing again. But again, yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they could just allude to things like, oh, remember when... Kelly had a, yeah. you know, a drug yeah. problem. And we'd be like, right. oh yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, 
I feel like this season was the least impactful, probably because so much of it was devoted to love interests that we don't see anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, by the end, they're all gone. What did we accomplish with Susan? Like, with Susan and Brandon? Like, do we know more about Brandon as a character? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I feel like if anyone has grown this season, it's probably Donna, because... You know, she went through the whole thing with Ray, which was a hot mess from a writing standpoint. Then she hooks up with Joe and they have this whole arc. But by the end of the Joe thing, she's like, you know what? Maybe I don't want what I thought I wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of other stuff that happens with Donna, too, like with her finding out about her mom, all the yeah. stuff about her mom. And yeah. she, I think, had some stuff that wasn't necessarily connected to... Um, a love interest like yeah. even kelly's drug stuff was because of colin because right. she was dating colin i really do think she's the only one who like is going to be starting season seven from a different place although coupling back with david maybe that's less so but i think that that moment she had with joe on the beach where she was like you know it's not that i don't want to be with you it's that like i want to be myself i don't want to like be your wife you know, and then figure everything else out. That was like a pretty big turning point for that character. So like, I guess if I was going to hang in on anything, like what we learned this season or whatever, it would be Donna's transition from sort of like putting up with Ray to letting Joe sort of defend her, you know, and then her finally coming to terms being like, maybe I don't need either of you losers. Let me just like be me. Yeah. You know? And I do feel like Kelly and Valerie are kind of like, I don't know, like I feel like their rivalry stepped it up oh it in, did they in this in this season they straight up hate each other's guts yeah now. it's like, not even just like they're annoyed by each other it's it's they hate each other yeah i i think there was some some movement there but well remember back when uh when tara keyed valerie's car and valerie was like i'll bet it was kelly and at the time we were like that doesn't really make a ton of sense yeah <laughs> but now we're kind of like yeah absolutely yeah absolutely <laughs> yep Yep. So I think that's that that is a change. You're right. Okay, so let's break it down. Let's let's really look. So Donna Ray Joe, I feel like we kind of covered. Like it's a <laughs> it's it's unfortunate that they how they handled the the Ray character. Yeah. And shoveling him out the way they did and then doing sort of like a haphazard he's nice now, I think was a real disservice overall. I agree. I agree. But we've left Donna in a stronger place, so that's good. I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. Exactly. I feel like Emma Caulfield Ford was like a really great actor. And I would have been down to have Susan like integrated into the gang because she was like a better written Andrea and sort of added a, a different level. And they never really like explored her having friendships outside of Brandon. Not really. You know, not really. I feel like there were a couple times where she like hung out with the girls, but not, not really. Not yeah. like they did with Claire when they brought right. her in. Right. Well, like we had that one episode where like Susan and Claire went to find Joan. Right. Yeah. And that was kind of like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But and they all, they like the camping episode, Susan was there, right. With the girls. I guess, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I do feel like she was better written than Andrea until like towards the end. When yeah. they started making her this like petty, Right. Girlfriend. I don't know. I feel like they kind of messed her up at the end. But now seeing where they were going with it, I guess that was probably on purpose. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, 
you know, Brandon seems like he's solidly back into like the journalism field after the whole like student politics year. So yeah. I think as far as character setup, that's about it that I can take away from Brandon. But he, yeah. he's a journalist again. He's a journalist again, which is how we started. So again, like, <laughs> is that really back to square one? Valerie David was nothing. I don't really. <laughs> no, like, I they they kind of connected about having bad parents and liked him. I liked him for a bit, I guess, but I don't know. It just felt just like with Claire and David, it felt like a, well, I guess that's done. You know what I mean? Like it really, really didn't do anything. Yeah. I just think after you've had Valerie Dillon, it's just everything is a a downgrade from, from that chemistry that they know together. I know it's true. Colin. I just, I, I don't know why we spent as much time with that character as we did. I don't know either. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it's over too. I just, I feel like it makes sense. Like Kelly growing up the way that she did with like a a mother who struggled with addiction constantly, like her kind of falling into that trap. I think there's interesting story elements there, but like it wasn't really interesting to watch. And we just, the previous season had the whole Kelly's in a cult and it just felt like the same thing again. Yeah. It just felt like Kelly's in another crisis. Kelly needs, you know, rehab and rescuing from this thing that she's caught up in. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a lot of the same beats from season five. And also like Valerie Colin felt a little like Valerie Ray from the previous season. Like it was kind of a similar thing. And all it really did was serve to weaken Valerie, which was maybe the point to be like, here's some vulnerability from Valerie, but I don't, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. I didn't like it at all. And I didn't like, we knew throughout the season that there was this connection between Colin and Valerie, but it just felt like shoving them together when there was nothing between them. Yeah. Just, just, I guess, so that Valerie could say, ha ha, Kelly, I am dating Colin and you're not. It's like they couldn't make up their mind about whether or not Colin was a true villain or not. And by the end, they're like, very unsympathetically, like, throw him in prison. Lock, throw away the key. Lock him up, throw away the key. But, but like, meeting his dad and, like, all his struggles with art and, like, overcoming things, and I think he really cared for Kelly, felt like we were setting up some kind of redemption, and we didn't do that at all. It was just like, no, he's terrible. And he is, but, like, I don't get why we did that. Yeah. So. I don't either. And Tara was really just a very soap opera e distraction for a couple yes, of episodes. It really was. I don't really get that either. Steve and Claire are a fun couple. I like seeing them together. I I am still on board with Steve and Claire. I like them together a lot. She's she's the smart one and he's the he's the goofy one and yeah. they make a good pair. Yeah, I mean her choosing Steve over Carl while predictable, was still, like, a good moment. Like, that was one of my favorite moments of the season where Steve comes in all hot and is like, you idiots. And she's like, I chose you, dummy. You know, like, I liked that. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Oh, David, down on the videos. Again, I feel like that's we're kind of resetting to where yes. we were before. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm for David and Donna again because I feel like David is a different person than he yeah, was true. when they were together the first time. Yeah. So I'm here for that if that's yep. where we're going. Yeah. Why do you think they gave Dylan such a tragic out? 
I don't know. It's it's so interesting to bring in this brand new character, and so much happens in those ten. Is Tony there at the end of season five, or does she get introduced season six? No, season six. Remember the, the remember the season five ends with Dylan writing a movie and finding out the name right. Tony. Yeah, finding out <laughs> the name Tony Marchette, and then yes. season six starts with him in her class and realizing, oh, she's a girl, Tony. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just like a whirlwind 10 episodes. Like, yeah. so much is packed into those yeah. 10 episodes. So I don't know. Maybe they just were, I don't, maybe this was like a thing that they were wanting to do. And they were like, I guess he's leaving. So we got to do it. And it's fitting, I think, you know, like he he's always sort of portrayed as a tortured character. You know, they they do kind of a James Deeney kind of thing with him, you know? He's yeah, just this... and he's had a lot of the really, like, dangerous, like, you know, his, his father blowing up in a car and, like, dealing yeah. with the FBI. And he's always had these, you know, his sister going to rescue his sister. Yeah. I don't know. So I think it fits with the other storylines that he's had. But it, it, it was a very tragic. It was. <laughs> The thing that always stands out to me the most is I think the casting of Tony was the biggest mistake. And I mean, I, I've seen Rebecca Gayhart and other things and I like her and I, I liked her in this, but I think having her be such, she, she comes across so young and he comes yes. across so old and she's played like such a little damsel that it really, it just doesn't connect with me. I feel like if they would have gone the other direction and made her, really kind of like a female Dylan, you know? Yeah. Well, especially because we're coming off of Valerie Dylan. Yeah. And we've seen that, like, you know, so she's just the total opposite of that. There's not, I mean, she, I guess she's a little rebellious, but she is just played as this like Cupid doll kind of person. And it doesn't, it doesn't fit with what we know of Dylan. No, no. I mean, the, the most successful pairings have been Brenda and Valerie, and it's like, Luke Perry can definitely do chemistry. I mean, his chemistry with Jenny Garth is amazing as well, but I don't feel like the chemistry was there. And I think I would really buy Dylan going all in on somebody who is like from the same kind of like tortured background, somebody who's like tough and on his level, but I don't see him falling for somebody who's such a teeny bopper damsel type. I just, yeah, that's tough for me. Yeah, and I think they, they tried to connect them with their, like, daddy issues and, you know, that kind yeah. of, fa- or family issues. And The closest they came was being like, she knows how to ride a motorcycle. Look at her popping wheelies. Look at her go. Look at her <laughs> driving all around. But then having her also die, I feel like it's a different kind of thing when she is just, like you said, like a little Cupid doll. Mm-hmm. I get why they went for the big tragic, like almost Shakespearean kind of ending for him. But I think that's the piece. The cat, if I could change anything, it would be the casting. They didn't build her up as this, like, I don't think I ever believed that this was, she was like the love of, to end all loves for him. After seeing him with Brenda and Kelly and Val. And Valerie, yeah. They all had more like world stopping love than they did. And I think it's just, we didn't have a lot of time either. Yeah. With the two of them. It's a very like Greece kind of pairing, you know? Like 
as soon as those two fly away in their Volkswagen at the end of Greece, you know they're breaking up. And it's like <laughs> the same, the same with Dylan and Tony. If she lives, they're gonna go to like Hawaii or whatever and be like, oh, we have nothing in common. Let's call this quits. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I feel like that was a big swing and a miss. I think it's kind of funny that like even though they're gone, they're like, let's just say Dylan and Brenda ended up together. Why not? Yeah. And I'm here for it. Like that makes me happy. I'm here for it too. I liked Brenda Dylan. So I am here for that as well. But uh, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the drama of those 10 episodes and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. But th- there were definitely issues with it. My, my favorite thing about the series is like the Dylan Brandon friendship and chemistry. And we, with the Kelly triangle, we got away from that. And so we had those scenes where they were like working together and close again. I really liked that. And I'm sad we didn't get more. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I remember this season differently and watching it now, I'm just kind of like, all right, thank you. Next. You know? Thank you. Thanks. Next. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right, Kendra, let me hear some of your predictions for season seven. Where do you think we're going? Oh boy. Well, uh, I think Steve and Claire going to stay strong for a bit. Okay. Going to stay strong. All right. I think David, Donna, we're heading towards them getting back together, which as I said, I'm, I'm for that. Okay. So the next season, is it going to pick up in the summer or is it going to be in the fall? We don't have like a summer season. We might have an episode that's summary. I don't remember. I don't know. I just. Brandon Kelly. How do you feel about Brandon Kelly? Because we've opened that door again. Brandon Kelly. Again, I'd be for it. I liked Brandon Kelly. I liked that pairing. So. I'm going to predict it'll it'll be a lot of will they won't they for a okay. bit. They might they might go on dates with other people before they got it. Okay, end up together. Now I could be wrong, but I feel like we see some of Brandon's road trip. I feel like we start with some of that in season seven. Do we see the giant ball of twine. I don't know if we see the ball of twine, but I feel like we see a little bit of that. Okay, but okay. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Valerie, I don't know. I just want I want I want Valerie to be happy. <laughs> mm. I really Mm -hmm. do. I feel like she hasn't been happy in a long time. I only remember one Valerie storyline that happens after this. Okay. And it's not happy. (laughs) So uh, we'll see. We'll see where we go. We'll see where we go. All right. I I think that's everybody, right? That's all the big cast. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say, Joan... I, I I don't think the baby is going to happen. I don't oh, know why. Oh, okay. I'm going to predict that. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. Okay. Well, I think that's a wrap on season six then. We did it. We did it. All right. Well, Kendra, you can catch me every other week on This Andorian Life, but I recently was a guest on Previously on X-Men where we talked about Nature Girl and X-Men Green. So it was a weird character and a weird episode, but I had a good time doing it. Fun. What about you? Where where are you at these days? I am Miss Musicbox91 on Twitter, and I am also the co-host of the podcast 90s Music Got Me Like, where we talk 90s music. Bam. By the time this comes out, our most recent episode will be How's It Gonna Be by Third Eye Blind. Okay. And then next is Squirrel Nut Zippers. Is that what you said? You're working on... I, that's not on the list. Yeah, one of the so helper. Okay. Maybe maybe when we're through <laughs> okay. another year of, of episodes, we'll see. You'll get there. You'll get yeah. there. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of music, Kendra, we've got a special musical guest next time because your co-host 
from 90s music got me like and the host of retired show is it classic does it rock eric mickles is going to be joining us for a special look at the 1996 soundtrack songs from the peach pit Huzzah! that's right uh, i did make a special playlist of the songs from this album and so we'll share that out on social media so you can listen along but it's a lot of like 60s 70s hits that we're playing in the peach pit that we don't actually get to hear. So I've been kind of listening to the playlist and I'm like, yeah, this would be great if we were hearing these songs while the episode was playing. This would but we fit don't. Perfectly. <laughs> That's right. So next week, songs for the Peach Pit. So listen ahead on that playlist or if you've got the CD or cassette, listen along with us and then we'll be back for season seven. All right, 902 and here we go. 